Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Before the title, praise God, I wanted to just give you a a quick little update. You know that for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the rapture of the church. Two weeks ago, there was a message called, Are You Rapture Ready? And then last week, the rapture countdown, uh, 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 while we wait. What do we do while we wait? And we talked about some of the things that is required of the believer uh, when we wait upon the Lord. And uh, I'm going to continue a little bit of a different direction, but a very important direction uh, under the same theme of while we wait. Amen? So this morning, the title of my message, You Are Under Arrest. How about that? Praise God. You are under arrest. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbors. say, don't panic. No one's going to jail this morning. Amen. But this morning you're under spiritual arrest. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My wife took my pen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife is under arrest. Hallelujah. I'm kidding. Hallelujah. But let me just talk a little bit about the word arrest. Amen. The word arrest, according to Webster's, it literally has several definitions. Praise God. Four to be exact. I want to read them for you this morning. Number one, it means to be placed under arrest is to be seized and taken into custody by law enforcement. I think we could all uh, understand that one. Amen. Uh, It also means to stop something as in we will arrest the spread of this disease. It also means to attract attention. In other words, our attention was arrested by this strange sight. Number four, a sudden stoppage or secession of motion. In other words, this patient is now under respiratory arrest. Uh, In the case of law enforcement, any type of arrest is typically not a good thing. Uh, Praise the Lord. In almost all other cases, an arrest is not necessarily a bad thing. What is true in every case, to resist arrest, no matter what the case, is not always a good thing. Hallelujah. With what is true is that uh, every time somebody is resisting, bad things happen. Amen? I, I see videos, and you've probably seen videos as well, all over social media. You have drug dealers that are pulled over, or, or, or people that have done rotten things. They have warrants and all this other stuff. And then they, the, the cop runs their record, and, and they're ready to get arrested. And the next thing they do, the cop says, Please put your hands on the car or put your hands behind your back. And they start fighting and resisting and pulling. And typically the wife or the girlfriend or somebody is holding the phone. Why you got to do them like that? Why you got to do them like that? Why you got to? I mean, am I the only one that sees this foolishness? Why you got to treat them like that? Why you got to treat them like that? Because he's resisting arrest. When you resist arrest... You are becoming uh, rebellious, you're becoming uh, uh, lawless, you're becoming disobedient, and you're resisting. If you're not guilty, there's no need to resist. Amen? But sometimes we see this foolishness, and then we've got other people saying, uh, brutality, brutality, and all this other stuff. The bottom line is, if we are obedient, whether right or wrong, let the judge handle that. But what happens is, we resist. Here's, an, here's a solution. How about this? Stop breaking the law. Hallelujah. And maybe you won't find yourself in trouble. It's really simple. There's a song. We all know it. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? If you're not worried about breaking laws, you don't have nothing to worry about. The question is, are you a bad boy? Here's the thing. 
we are, we are sometimes so foolish in our mindset. The same way if a, if a big truck is oncoming, a big truck, and you're in the middle of the road, what are we going to do? We're going to get out of the way. The same way you move out of the way of potential danger is the same thing we should do when there's a problem and we keep resisting against the very thing that's probably going to squash us. I want to tell everybody this morning, God is love. Our God is love. He is uh, uh, rich in mercy, abounding in grace. He is love. As far as the east is from the west, he forgives our sins. He is full of love and rich in mercy. But we always forget this one little detail. Our God is love, but he is also a consuming fire. He is both Lord and he is judge. He is full of love. He is full of mercy and grace. He is the author of salvation and peace. But God needs to first place you and I under arrest. He needs us to come to a place of repentance. He needs to arrest the foolishness of our sin away from us and recondition our mind, recondition our thinking. Give us a brand new way of living, a brand new way of walking, a brand new way of talking, a brand new way to love your wife, a brand new way to love your children, a brand new way to honor God in society, a brand new way to do things in your life. Hallelujah. There's no other way to get to Christ, to get to God, but through his son Jesus Christ. We need the blood of Christ. We need to die to self. The problem is most Christians don't want to die. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Christians nowadays, they don't want to die. They don't want to die to self. They want their flesh to rule. No surrender, no retreat, no obedience. They are resisting the arrest of God. I hear it all the time. Ain't nobody going to tell me I got to go to church. I go to church when I feel like it. Can't nobody make me do anything. It's my life. YOLO, right? You only live once. Only God can judge me, and he will. Then what you going to do? I ain't giving the church no money. Let God help them. See, it changes when we get into the pocket thing, right? It's a whole different story. Satan, get thee behind me. The preacher's talking about money. You won't help the church, but you'll go out and buy cigarettes. You'll go out and buy booze. You'll go pay for your clubs, uh, the, the, the raccoon lodge. Bingo night. Let's play cards. Let's go to the bank, get some cash. You see, church, we're all guilty. Let's, can we keep it real? Can I tell the truth in this place? We're all guilty. Every one of us. Your pastor's guilty. If I try to stand up here and tell you I'm holy and sinless, I'm lying. I need to repent. Jesus knows that you're guilty. Jesus knows we're guilty. We're broken. We've broken all of God's law. I believe it's James 2.10. If you're guilty of breaking one commandment, you're guilty of breaking them all. We're not like the rich young ruler. I've kept them my whole life. I've kept all the commandments my whole life. Jesus, okay, sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. He started tripping started walking away because his God was money. When we think of ourselves a little highly than we ought to, God has a way of bringing it back down. Bam! Take that. And he's like, ah. Bible says he walked away sorrowful. And isn't it funny? Jesus didn't chase him. Hey, wait a minute. I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to go that hard on you today. There was none of that recorded in scripture. What did he say? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. This morning, we are under spiritual arrest. 
God wants to recondition you. He wants to, uh, 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 what, is it? what is the word? Rehabilitate you. Hallelujah. He has a Holy Spirit that wants to give you a get out of jail free card. God wants to change you from the fallen state into the free state. But before he could do that, he needs to arrest your plan. We're all under spiritual arrest. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop resisting. Hallelujah. I hear this foolishness. I was born this way. I'm going to die this way. You ever heard that foolishness? We seem to forget that God is trying to prevent you from the fires of hell. He's trying to keep you out. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish. Whomsoever will come to me, says the Lord, he will no way cast out. The Lord loves you this morning. I want you to think about that as we read this morning's uh, uh, opening scripture. At this point, let's go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. I have 8. I was just testing you, but you passed the test. (laughs) Romans 6, that's a typo, hallelujah. Romans 6, verses 1 through 13. Glory to God, that's true, right? The number 8, hallelujah. I was doing the PowerPoint at 3 in the morning, hallelujah. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Are we there? If you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand for the reading of the word. How about that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the word of the Lord says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may take your seats this morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, buckle in. Hallelujah. It's about to go heavy this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Sin. One of the most difficult and challenging topics to talk about in the body of Christ from any pulpit. That's why so many pastors avoid the subject altogether. The problem is that we must all deal with sin. We have to subdue it. We have to conquer it. We have to kill it and live in freedom from it. But the word sin, it's mentioned many times from a pulpit. When that happens, people start to shriek 
in their seat. Oh, here we go. This is another a doom and gloom message. This is another a, a beating that we're going to take this morning. As uncomfortable as it may be right now, I want you to know it's going to be okay. This message is good medicine. Amen. It might taste a little nasty. Hallelujah. I'll try to put some sugar on it if I can. Hallelujah. I'll find sugar somewhere. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you the truth. A, a little spoonful of medicine is going to make you feel a lot better. Amen. Our old man was crucified with Christ. And the Bible says so that we may be done with sin, that we may put sin away from us, hallelujah, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The life of a believer is a life of freedom, a life of liberty, a life of victory, a, a life without defeat. Just like Joshua, he told Joshua, you will not know defeat. Wherever you place your foot will be your territory. And what happened with Joshua? We'll get there. We are co-crucified with Christ. We are crucified with the Christ of, of, the, of heavens. Hallelujah. The question I have for you, have you made a decision about the sin in your life? Every one of us, have you made a decision to subdue sin, to have dominion over the sins of our life? Those things which are literally killing you. Brother Allen read earlier, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you know that when we sin, we are earning our death? Now, for many people, it will take a long time to get to this place where they start to reckon with themselves. I got to get this junk out of me. Uh, there's these things that I keep doing, this foolishness that, that, that I'm involved with. I got I to gotta clean my house. Hallelujah. We have to get to the place where sin has to die. We can't have seesaw Christianity. We have to live spiritual lives of, of Christ in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Where sin is not just restrained or suppressed or counteracted, but it is killed and crucified. Hallelujah. And not allowed to reign in our body anymore. We have to make a conscious decision regarding the sin and the wickedness in our life. Uh, we need to get along with God and say, Lord, identify me with your death. Until I know that sin is dead and it no longer rules in my body. You see, people, there's a ruthlessness that comes in the gospel. There's a time where we all have to say, I need to break these habits. I need to get past these things that are holding me back. I need to put this stuff in the trash. I need to pour these bottles out. I need to take all my little, uh, 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 my little porno tapes out of the secret stashes, and I need to burn them and put them in the garbage. You know, there are all these little secret sins that are infecting households, infecting lives. We need to get rid of this stuff. Woo, it got quiet in here. Hallelujah. There's a ruthlessness, people of God, that is required to be a follower of Christ. When Jesus said, pick up your cross, he wasn't kidding. Matthew 5, listen to this, 29 through 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be casted into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Let me ask you, saints of God, what is it that is holding you back from being in the fullness of Christ Jesus in your life? What little, little thing are you willing to forfeit or, or, or forfeit your inheritance? What little thing you don't want to let go of? Some toxic friendship? Some boyfriend? Some girlfriend? Honey boo boo? Some little vice? What is it 
that you're willing to forfeit your inheritance for? Is there anything on planet earth that is, that is good enough for you to say, you know what, I, I just can't get rid of this. I'm going to hold on to this. I cling on to this rather than the cross. What is it? I mean, you got to think of it. Hardcore. This message ain't for the weak today. Hallelujah. I did say buckle in, didn't I? Hallelujah, right? Praise God. Sin can't be entertained. It can't be coddled. It has to be put to death. We cannot let sin reign in our body. We have to deal with it radically. Because if we don't, then what we end up doing is cheating the grace of God. Paul said, shall I continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Yet, in our own lives, sin isn't something that we want to kill or crucify. It's something we, we kind of play with. Uh, we just, it's just one of those things we do. And then we, we do it often and even daily without even thinking of the consequences. It's called willful sin. Willful disobedience towards God. And then we just say, well, you know what? God is loving and he's merciful and I'll just pray and he will forgive me. And that dangerous mindset is the very reason why we are now as a church in a lukewarm age. Because we want the best of both worlds. We want a mixture of the cold and a mixture of the hot. And we have become lukewarm in our Christianity. God wants us to know that the sin nature has died. Jesus nailed it to the cross. Let me put it in the words of the wise wizard of Oz. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Hallelujah. When Dorothy, when she went into the, the, the land, the wizard land, I don't even know what it's called. What's the land of the wizard of Oz? Munchkin land. Hallelujah. The house landed on the wicked witch. And the munchkins came out. They started to do their dance. Ding dong, the witch is dead. I, I, can't, I can't even do that. They started to do their dance. Ding dong, the witch is dead. And they thanked Dorothy. And then what happened? Dorothy, she said, wow, I, I need to go visit the, the, the Wizard of Oz, the great Oz. And what did Dorothy do? She got on the yellow brick road. Hallelujah. A dangerous road marked with, with all kinds of obstacles, with little flying demon monkeys and all kinds of witches trying to stop her path. But she walked on the road and she never got off the yellow brick road. Are you on the narrow road? The road marked with pain and suffering. It ain't the easy route. So many of us, what we don't do, instead of praising God that the sin factory is done and it's shut down, we go around thinking that, that we got a free pass to continue to sin. And we got pastors teaching this hyper grace theology from the pulpits and having many people dangerously uh, uh, deceived by a hyper grace theology. We ought to be thanking God that the wicked witch is dead rather than using a free pass. Saints of God, the problem is Many saints don't want to die. There needs to be in the life of every believer a spiritual funeral. You know what that is? A baptism. Hallelujah. An outward declaration of an inward work. You say, I've come to the end of myself. I want the world to know I belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. Sign me up, pastor. A funeral of the old you. A water grave. Let me tell you, saints of God, if you haven't buried the old person, if you haven't deep-sixed the old you, then sanctification is going to be more than, than just an elusive dream for you. You will never experience it until you come clean. All or nothing. The funeral of the old you. 
Death means that you cease to exist. The old you is gone. And the new you has been made new in the life of Christ. A new identity. A new walk. A new talk. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15.31 I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Are you dying daily before Christ? Paul died daily. He struggled against sin, but he would not allow it to rule in his body. So many of us have had the born-again experience, but then we get saved, we get sanctified, we get delivered, and then we get comfortable. Mere Christianity. Nowadays, everybody says they're Christian. You ask a Catholic person, are you Christian? Yes, I am. Then try to ask them the next question. Are you born again? They go, born again? What's that? Blessed the mother virgin Mary, whatever they say. Blessed be the mother or the virgin, right? Blessed be the virgin. Mary can't do anything for you. Her assignment is complete. She was uh, uh, blessed. She was anointed of God. She was chosen among women. She had the seed of the woman, the only woman in all creation that had the seed. That was Christ Jesus. But she died. And when she died, her assignment was complete. Mary can't hear your prayers. For those that are tuning in, I hate to burst the bubble. Pop. Mary can't hear your prayers. Stop praying to Mary. She can't hear your prayers. She has no power. Zero power. Like my grandson. Zero. When he doesn't want to do something, he goes, zero. God wants to rearrange your life. He wants to let Jesus penetrate every single part of your human nature. He wants to change our nature. Uh, uh, he wants to have relationship with you. And either we have this relationship or we don't. God doesn't have to continue to do the same things over and over. So often we come to the altar and repent for the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. First John 1 John 1.7. Hallelujah. How about this? The born again experience, it requires obedience. Just surrender. Obey God. First John 1 John 1.7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. That means sin is done with, defeated at the cross. It's a finished work of Christ. The question is, are we obedient? Are we obeying the Lord? Are we obeying the will of God? Are we turning away from those wicked things that have held us back for so long? We, we, we talked about this. The wages of sin is death. Let me read you a quote by Ravi Zacharias. It says, Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you wish to pay. Saints of God, it can't get no more real than that. Either we deal with the sins and the wicked things in our life, or we're going to be struggling and, and, and really in danger of the fires of hell. It's true. Look at verse 12 and 13 in our morning's reading. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now I'm about to get a little hardcore on, on everyone this morning. Amen? So just hold on to your seatbelts. What is he saying when he says presenting your members? You think about that? Here's the reality. Every one of us here, we are created for worship. The Lord created you and the Lord created me to worship 
God the Father, and to serve Him and only Him shall we serve. We are created for worship. But the problem is, if we are not worshiping God, guess what's going to happen? We're going to find and look for something else to worship. We're going to replace God with some other idol or some other source of worship. The Bible calls that idolatry. When we get something in our life and we cling on to it and then we begin to surrender to the idol and we begin to worship it. And you might say to yourself, ah, I don't know. I don't have no statues in my house. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me, let me break it down to you. Because idolatry is still running, running, running high. I spoke earlier about pornography. Pornography is an idol. Many men succumb to the idol of pornography. Women too. The act of masturbation is the worship of the idol. Alcohol. When you drink and you get drunk, that drunken state is the worship of the idol. Drug addiction, both illegal and prescription drugs. When you consume these drugs to alter your mind, it really becomes your act of worship. I'm talking about the abuse of drugs. I want you to think about this. When we were given dominion to rule over the world and everything in it, birds, fish, animals, plants, everything. What ends up happening is the plant life, the world, weren't able to make any decisions. Man made a decision to disobey God. And because of that, the world came under a curse. We're supposed to have dominion over the world, and now the world is having dominion over us. How? With plants. Alcohol comes from a plant. Drugs come from a plant. All these different things come from plants. It comes from the earth. And now we have forfeited our dominion, our authority, our power, and we've given it over to the plants. And now we got crooked, falling out teeth, and, and you look like you're 30 years old, but you look like you're 75. Your hair is all jacked up. You smell like, like death. You look like death. And, 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 and we have people completely immersed in addiction. You can't give sin a little bit because it wants to reign and rule in your body. There's a, a beautiful quote by Dr. Ed Cole. It says, sin promises to serve and please, but it will only enslave and dominate that. Do not allow sin to rule over you. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. I want to read this for you too. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation also will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's never an escape from the problem, but an escape to God. But I want to tell you about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is the root of every sin. Every sin, you could think of any sin, every sin is rooted in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus was tempted day and night in the wilderness by the devil. But the Bible only records three sins because those three sins dealt with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus overcame every single one of those sins by the word of God, it is written. And he has shown you that you have authority to defeat every temptation, everything that is common to man. Jesus uh, 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 took it and he dealt with it and, and, and had victory over it in the wilderness and so can you. There are two types of sin. Ignorant sin, which 
You know, we do all the time. We're unaware. Sometimes we do things. We say things. We, we offend people. And we say to ourselves, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I did that. And we end up having to apologize and ask for forgiveness. It happens. But then there's another sin. Willful sin is when you knowingly commit acts of sin against God without fear, without care of consequence. Every time we willfully sin, it's like mocking the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Psalm 19:13 Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Don't think again that sin only affects you, but it affects others around you. Like I was talking earlier about the sin of one person with Joshua. The Bible says that Joshua was told by the Lord, you will not know what it is like to, to have defeat in your life. You will be victorious in every battle. And there was one little battle, a battle in Ai, with just a few little soldiers. And he sent out what he thought would be appropriate enough soldiers to win the battle. And they came back, almost all of them killed. Only a couple were allowed to be uh, freed or escaped. And Joshua tore his clothes. He said, Lord, what's going on? I thought I would never be defeated. What was the Lord's answer? There's sin in the camp. One person's sin caused the whole army to be destroyed. Joshua dealt with that sin. He said, all right, well, we ain't going nowhere right now until we deal with this issue. And I wish there would be some Christians that would be so resolute to deal with the sins in their family, in their household, in their marriage, with the children, with school, with work. Yo, we ain't going nowhere. Ain't nobody doing nothing until we deal with this situation. Stop pretending that it ain't happening. Deal with it. Joshua said, I'm going into prayer and sackcloth and ashes. And the Lord's going to reveal to me, one of y'all is up to no good. And when we find you, it's over. And the fear of God came upon that camp. One by one, send every family here. I want to look in their eyes. And the fear of God came upon Achan. And what does the Bible say? When he came into the tent, he goes, listen, no need to drill me. I'm going to come clean. I'm fearful. I took some pieces of silver. I took a few shekels. I took some clothing and I hid it under my tent. My bad. Nowadays, it seems you say my bad. Everything's better. My bad. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you so much for your honesty. Praise the Lord. Bring all the stuff. Bring it here. Oh, I ha here it is. Here it is. Take it. Take it. Okay. Then he says, um, Alan, Jordy. AJ, Jerron, go to his house, get his tent, get his wife, get his kids, get his Xbox, get the cell phone, get everything. We're going to take them out. We're going to cruise. We're going to stone them to death, all of them, and we're going to burn it down to the ground. And then we're going to go back to winning some battles. Amen? Let's go. Break. Imagine that. Ruthless. No mercy. No coddling of sin. We got to possess the land. And we got these knuckleheads stealing silver. No, 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 no. We got to deal with this. God hates sin. Hallelujah. God hates sin. But I want to tell you something. And I've, I've got to tell you the truth. I have to recondition my own thinking on this one. As I begin to study. God hates sin, although not all sin is the same or even equal to God. All sin is a crime against God's perfect law. Right? 1 John 3, 4, it says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. All sinners are lawless. They're all children of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 2, it says, The devil now works in the children or the sons of disobedience. Now, as humans, if we see somebody, you know, you've seen the, the, the pictures online uh, of the terrorists that were burning people alive in cages and not giving them a place of escape. And they would, they would drown them and do all kinds of wicked things. And we would say, that 
demands justice. That crime demands justice. And, and we want capital punishment for those wicked people. But then, if somebody steals a, a bread or steals a car, we make them pay a fine. Sometimes they go to jail for a little bit of time. Both of them are crimes. They both have consequences, but not both require the same penalty. God's justice is very similar to that. God is a righteous judge. If someone commits murder, they're guilty of, of, of violating the sixth commandment, Exodus 21.12. It says that he who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But look at this, stealing. If someone is caught stealing because they are hungry, yes, it is a crime. It is also breaking the eighth commandment, but the punishment is not the same. Proverbs 6, 30-31. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. All sin is not equal. If they were, both the murderer and the petty thief would have received the same punishment. But God hates all sin. You understand? If someone says that all sins are equal, they really are slurring the character of God. They are painting God as an incompetent judge when all of his judgments are righteous and true and all together are according to righteousness. Isaiah 1.18, hear the words of the Lord. It says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Today, God has placed us all under arrest for a little while. Amen. And he's sitting us down this morning like a father would speak to his son, like a mother would speak to their daughter. And he's trying to talk some sense into us this morning. A gentle reminder to talk about his grace a gentle reminder to tell us you need to deal with the wicked things in your life. Don't even give them a crack. Don't give them any place or any foothold in your life. Kill them dead. Hallelujah. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. For the next few moments, I want to talk about the grace of God. The grace that is sufficient for you. The unmerited favor that will never run out. It'll never run dry. Romans 6, 15 and 16. What then shall we sin because, our, because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Saints of God, this morning, are you a slave to sin or are you a bond servant of Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ is not your Lord, then you are not under his lordship. Grace is a gift from God and we need to understand how wonderful, how precious, how powerful that gift of grace is. I want to share a little illustration it says, when a person understands that oxygen is a gift, they will not smoke. If a person comprehends that good health is a gift, they're not going to abuse drugs. When a Christian understands that grace is a gift of God, they will make a choice to say no to wrong and yes to right. When a Christian loses sight of God's grace, then they will become irresponsible with the life given to them by God. We hear a lot of talk now about ventilators. A ventilator is a great machine, but it only works if we cooperate with the ventilator. The ventilator is designed to give you breath, to give you oxygen, but it's going to be the thing that does all the work for you. You have to cooperate with it. Christ wants to be your supernatural respirator this morning. He doesn't want you to resist. He wants you to submit, surrender, partner with God. Yield yourself to the person of Jesus Christ. There are so many Christians today hyperventilating on their own spiritual life because they're trying to resist and fight against God. 
Let us be honest with ourselves this morning. Not one of us here deserve anything good from God. The Bible says there is no one good. No, not even one. Our kindest acts are as filthy rags. But yet, God loves you so much that he sent his son to die in your place. His tender mercies are new every morning. Because of his great love, I still have difficulty understanding the love of God. I've said this before and I'll keep saying it. The closer I feel I get to God, the farther I, I feel away from his perfection and his holiness. And it really isn't strange. Look at Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah chapter 6, we see the man of God who is used to do great things of God. And here he's before the presence of God. He's as close as he will ever be to God. And what are the first words out of his mouth? Woe unto me. I am undone. I am an, I'm a man of unclean lips. Look at Daniel 11. Daniel was terrified. He lost all of his strength. The Lord showed him signs and wonders and visions. He was terrified and he fell prostrate before the Lord. When we face God's holiness, his purity, his righteousness, we will see that we don't measure up. King Belshazzar in Daniel 5, he saw the hand come, the writing on the wall. Tekel, tekel, uh, a peshna, I think it was. It says, you have been weighed. You have been measured. You have been weighed and your scales are coming up light. When I begin to understand God's grace, how it is sufficient, how it has no ends, it's limitless. I'm humbled and I stand in awe of the Lord. Upon his goodness, his faithfulness, his mercy. I learned uh, how to understand the love of God. There was an old movie, Clint Eastwood. He said, a man's got to know his limitations. We got to know that when we're here in the presence of God and we're trying to live our life, don't put yourself through no foolish test. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to find yourself weak to sin. Where you know you're going to stumble. If you got an addiction to things on the internet and your wife is out and your kids are out and you find yourself at home in front of the computer, how about this? Walk away. Turn the computer off. Go run a mile. Go play some sports. Go to Panera. Get yourself a cup of coffee. Don't find yourself in a place where you're going to fall. Let us begin to appreciate the gift of God. Let us begin to thank God for this wonderful gift of grace. The Lord says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Love always desires to give. God gave us his son. He gave us the best we, he had. And it's time for us to show, uh, reciprocate in return, our love for God. Our love, uh, a relationship with God should be such that we're Kicking it up a notch. Taking it up a notch. We're not just appreciative of a great gift, but we want to show appreciation by number one, dying to self daily. When we die to self, we bring glory to God. When we walk in obedience, we bring Him glory. When we surrender unto His will, we bring Him glory. When we share the gospel with others, we bring Him glory. We got to come out of the closet, hallelujah, and be a disciple that is visible, credible, full of the Spirit of God, because that's what's going to bring God glory in these last days. Saints of God, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? That is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It's time for us to reflect upon our life. And I'm coming to a close this morning. Has your love fest grown cold? Have you become cold toward others? Have you lost your love? Have you lost your passion, your fire, your desire to serve God? Let me ask you a question this morning. Who is seated on the throne of your heart? God has so much for you, so much love, overflowing grace. God wants to show himself strong in your life. But again, he gives us a gentle reminder. 
Get your affairs in order. Kill the wicked things of the flesh. Tear down strongholds. Tear down idols. Uh, confess your un unrepented sin. Confess, surrender yourself unto the will of God. Those who have ears, let them hear. There is a cost. It will cost you everything. There is a cost to serve God. It may cost you family. It may cost you friends. It may cost you your reputation. But God demands total surrender. It's all or nothing. And it's not unusual. The same way you expect total surrender from your wife. Total surrender from your husband. You want all. You don't share your husband with the, with the, with the community, do you? Tuesday's my night. Don't make me pour no oil on you this morning. Hallelujah. But the same way we don't share our spouse, we want to give God sloppy seconds. God wants all. It's not unusual. You want all, God wants all. Your whole heart. So now, the cuffs are coming off. You are off the hook. You all have your get out of jail free card because Christ Jesus says, listen, even though we are guilty, I took your place. I stepped in. I paid your fine. I paid your debt. I bore the wrath of God on the cross for you. And that gift is your gift if you would take it. God can now legally dismiss your case because the penalty has been paid. But while you live in your freedom, just like Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, after he said, where are your accusers? Is there no one left here to accuse you? He looked at her. He says, daughter, go and sin no more. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Lastly, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Saints of God, you are free to go. God bless you. Hallelujah. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.